Welcome to Free Christian Church of God's Audio Outreach Ministry. For more information regarding the audio outreach ministries, or to order past messages, please contact the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. And now here's Pastor Jimmy Fry with today's message. Psalm 103.19 says this, The Lord has established his throne in the heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Let's pray, Lord, thank you again for just your presence with us, God, not just here today, but every day, how you walk beside us, God, and uh, you, you've numbered our steps, and, and God, what, what comfort and trust we can have in a God who rules over all. Uh, Lord, just pray for the, the hearers of your word today, might our hearts be changed in Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Was uh, going on a hospital visit with my dad a couple weeks ago. Now he's headed up to Toledo, and uh, I don't know what you imagine our conversations would be like. It's kind of weird if you imagine our conversations, I suppose. Uh, but of course, we try to preach to each other. Uh, mostly, he preaches to me because he has a lot more uh, experience and knowledge to offer than me. I try to preach, but I, I can only do that when he takes a breath. Uh, I try to get in there, but he, he brought up, which, I, which I, I, it, it really tickled me, I guess, as a grandma, grandma fry word. Uh, he said, remember that sermon you preached a few years ago on the sovereignty of God? And I didn't, but I was impressed that he did. And uh, yeah, I was flattered. And uh, he told us a story that he told, and he, he's working it into his Wednesday night uh, lessons. And, and he brought up uh, Donald Barnhouse. I don't know if any of you have heard of Donald Barnhouse, but he's a pastor and a theologian who had a huge impact really on many believers' lives through his ministry. Um, graduated from Princeton Theological Seminary. And after he had graduated, uh, he was asked to come back and to speak at chapel one day. And as he began to preach, they say he, he became visibly nervous in, in, in the middle of his message. And he says that sitting in the congregation of chapel that day was Robert Wilson, who was a professor of his when he attended uh, the seminary. Uh, Professor Wilson spoke 27 languages and was a, was a believer who was widely respected worldwide. Now, to me, it's intimidating to get up here and preach in front of my dad, uh, who's been my pastor for 40 years, who speaks one language, uh, and I speak kind of one language. Um, but halfway through Barnhouse's chapel message, this, this former professor of his shuffled his papers, he stood to his feet, and he walked out of the chapel while Barnhouse was still preaching. Now, I know some of you do that every week to me, uh, but uh, we won't get into that. So, obviously, this, this shook Barnhouse a little bit, so after he finished his, his sermon, he went straight to his old professor's office, and he asked the professor, where did I fail? And this esteemed professor stopped what he was reading. He looked up to Barnhouse, and he said, fail? Oh, you didn't fail. 
He said, I always come to hear my former students speak one time. I simply wondered if you were a big godder or a small godder. And he told Barnabas, I am pleased that you are one of the few graduates who is a big godder. You preach a big God, and I didn't need to hear any more. When we as Christians hear the word sovereignty of God, we can have a tendency to shy away. It's, it's a subject that few pastors will actually preach on today. It's a, it's a subject that I think many church goers feel inadequate to study or discuss. Um, it's a doctrine, uh, that, a subject that Satan does not want the church to understand. And I've learned in the past few years of my studying that the sovereignty of God is so vast, it's so deep, it's so wide that I could spend the rest of my days trying to get to the bottom of the sovereignty of God and understand the sovereignty of God, and I will not because he's that big. The sovereignty of God is, is simply this. God is in charge and in control of all things at all times. Or we could say that the sovereignty of God is the godness of God. So truly this is where it all begins. The foundation of our theology, it's the trunk of our beliefs tree, it's the engine of our spiritual cars, it's the electricity of our light bulbs. Sovereignty of God is the first thing announced in the scriptures. When Genesis 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning, God. The sovereignty of God is announced. It's saying there was nothing else but God. And it wasn't creation that made him God. He was God before he spoke it into existence. There wasn't a process where he was limited and then became greater. Actually, in order to be limited, you'd have to go back and change the very name of God because by definition, God cannot be limited. In the beginning, God tells us he is eternal. It tells us that he is from everlasting to everlasting. It tells us that he is all-knowing or omniscient. It tells us he is all-powerful, almighty, all-ruling, which is omnipotent. It tells us that he is ever-present, which is omnipresent. He is the sovereign God. So why is this important to us today? Because all of our thoughts, all of our decisions, all of our prayers, our salvation is based upon what we believe of the sovereignty of God. Not only that, but it plays a huge role into how we deal with decisions that we make. How we pray, what we think what we trust 
what we stand on. Our very sanity hinges on what we believe of the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God is the sun from which all of God's characteristics shine from. It's where all of his promises shine from. It's where it all begins. The sovereignty of God is the foundation of Christian theology. In fact, if we would take all of the words of Scripture and we would smash them into one sentence, that one sentence would be, God is sovereign. There are only two sides to stand on here. He is sovereign or he is not. Those same two sides say he is God or he is not. Before we jump into verse 19, I want to look again at the start of Psalm 103. It says this, Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. It's a call to praise that sets the tone. But it's also the beginning of this framework in this hymn that is Psalm 103, because at the end, verses 20 and 22 through 22 says, Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word, praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You his servants who do his will, praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. And then again, praise the Lord, my soul. So it's framed in a call to worship. He ends it with this massive call to praise for those who are in the heavens and on the earth. And he closes it again with the command to his inner self to praise the Lord, my soul. Throughout this chapter, it's just a fascinating chapter. We're really taken on this journey up the mountain of God. We're climbing and we're celebrating the personal benefits that are received when we receive Christ as our Savior. And then we hike through the, the mercies of God to his people and ascend into God's character and his reign. And then through the trails of God's compassion on sinners and on frail mortals while singing of his vastness and his great love. Isn't that the life of the believer But we always hike up a mountain so that we might reach the top, right? All this walking upward leads us to the pinnacle of the mountain, the peak, the crown of the journey, and it is the sovereignty of God. Where did it come from? Well, 103.19. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. One of the things that I'm learning uh, in ministry is there's a lot of stuff that goes with it. 
There's a lot of shots taken. There's a lot of lies that are spread. And I took me, me, this is one of the conversations me and dad had on our trip to the other hospital. Um, I don't care. Either God's sovereign or he's not. And we can, we can worry about what will what people are saying do. And I don't care. Because God's will will be done. It will be done. So why worry about tomorrow? Why worry about the next day or what will come or what will go or who will stay and who will go and what they will say? I don't care because God is the sovereign God who rules from the throne. And it's always going to be that way. It says the Lord has established his throne. Quick quiz here. See if you're paying attention. Who established his throne? The Lord. (laughs) Now that's power. The Lord, Yahweh, has established his throne. Not you, not me. Not politicians, not Muslims, not Buddhists, not John Calvin, not the Reformers, not C.S. Lewis, not Charles Wesley or A.W. Tozer. The Lord established his throne. We don't follow mere men. Whether we acknowledge it or not, the throne is still his. One of, one of the things that, that drives me crazy is when we ask people, do you want to make Jesus the Lord over your life? You can't do that. He already is Lord over your life and always will be. He's a sovereign God. It's just, do you want to know him as king or as judge? <laughs> he is the sovereign God. He is the supreme governor of the universe. God was appointed by God. Therefore, his throne is absolute. It is his throne, and it is only his throne. The Bible does not tell us that it is a throne. It doesn't insinuate in any way that this throne is up for grabs, but it assures us that it is his throne. And it's an uncrowded throne. He did not establish a conference table where he allows others to sit with him and share in his bidding. It is a singular throne. Just as Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Just as there is one way, one truth, one life, it is so because there is one throne, and it is the Lord's throne. In Revelation 4, John the the Revelator shows us the centrality of this throne. I love this. Everything he describes to us is by its location to God's throne. The first thing that comes into the view of John after being in the Spirit was the throne. So we throw around this 
phrase of being in the Spirit. I was in the Spirit, or the Spirit of God was strong today. Or could you feel the Spirit? Listen, if that Spirit didn't make central the throne of God, then it wasn't the Spirit of God. Because the Spirit of God only makes the throne central. It says that a rainbow encircled the throne. The 24 elders surround the throne. It says that before the throne, there were seven lamps. Before the throne, a sea of glass. And the center around the throne were the four living creatures. And from their proximity to the throne, the creatures sing the song of his sovereignty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And at that, the 24 elders fall before the throne. And they lay their crowns before the throne and they sing their song of sovereignty. You are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and power. For you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. The throne is central because sovereignty is central. Everything God does, he does from the throne. Where has the throne of the Lord been established? It says in heaven. It means it is the highest of all thrones. It means that it is the supreme of all thrones, the greatest of all thrones. And in that it shows the feebleness of all man-made thrones of this earth. I mean, I can get lost in the circus of our government (laughs) real easy. But his throne is much higher, right? The throne of heaven stands so much higher than any throne of this sinful world. And it is established, it is fixed in the heavens, cannot be moved. So no man-made scheme, no act of the devil happens outside the vision or the knowledge of the heavenly throne. It is above all. It is the fixed point of the universe. See, too often we look uh, from our self-made thrones to, to the horizon for God. We, we look for God on this, this evil, this even ground. We live and we look as if it's this level playing field with God the Almighty. And maybe our prayers go unanswered or our insecurity remains or the weight of this world and the confusion of things trip us up. And that all just tells us that we are small godders. Look up. 
You must look up above the trials and the troubles. See above the temporal into the eternal. Gaze beyond the planet and the stars. Only there will you find the God of the Bible, the God of our salvation, the sovereign God on his uncrowded throne. And that's why we pray for his will to be done, not ours. Because he's sovereign. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I hear in that, in the beginning, God. That's what I hear. The verse goes on and says, his kingdom rules over all. And and what I love about this, the word rules here is used in the present tense. So when I read this yesterday, it said rules in the present tense. When I read it today, it said rules in the present tense. So when I read it tomorrow, guess who will still be ruling present tense from his throne? The sovereign God. That means his kingdom rules our highest points and it rules our lowest points. Through cancer, through loss, through the sickness of a child, through unemployment, through homelessness, through foster care, uh, through our healing, through our salvation in life and in death, the unknowns are known to God because he rules over all. And if, if you've heard anything in this church for the last 37 years, you've heard all means all, and that's all all means. And he rules over all. Isaiah 46, 9 through 13, really complements this well. It says, remember what happened long ago. For I am God and there is no other I am God and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning. In ancient times from what is to come, I say my purpose will stand. And all my good pleasure I will accomplish. It it didn't say anything about my good pleasure. (laughs) He says I summon a bird of prey from the east. A man for my purpose from a far off land. Truly I have spoken. Truly I will bring it to pass. I have planned it. I will surely do it. Listen to me, you stubborn people. This from the Bible. I didn't add that. (laughs) Far removed from my righteousness, I am bringing my righteousness near. Wait, who's bringing it? God's bringing it. It is not far away. And my salvation will not be delayed. Time out. Time out. So what can man do to stop it? 
nothing. Well, doesn't that just change everything? Why do we worry? Why do we pout? Why do we fear? Because we don't trust in the sovereignty of God. I'm going to go on because, well, I just had like a sense to go. I am bringing my righteousness near. I don't know where I left off, so I'm just going to start there. I am bringing my righteousness near. It is not far away, and my salvation will not be delayed. That's where I left off. I will grant salvation to Zion and adorn Israel with my splendor. A letter from God. (laughs) That's an uncrowded throne. That is the sovereign God. And if you think about it, just, just if you know anything about history, what happened to all of those who once thought they were God? What happened even to the greatest of empires mankind has ever known? To all the rulers who demanded the praise that only belongs to God. Where are they today? They are dead or they are in ruins. Because there's only one God. And he rules from his throne. And when the greatest nations fail, when the greatest of people fail, their ashes cry out, there is one God and beside him there is no one else. If we would stand over the graves of the greatest of kings or dictators or presidents or world leaders, their caskets would cry out, there is one God and beside him there is no one else. And I guarantee you soon, every hard-hearted atheist, every false prophet, every slanderer, every abortionist, the Pope, the CEO, the Muslims will say from the pits of hell there is one God and beside him there is no one else. Charles Spurgeon said in his sermon uh, titled The Sovereignty and Salvation, Surely one says, the church of God does not need to be taught this. Yes, we answer, she does. For of all beings, those whom God has made the object of his grace are perhaps the most apt to forget this cardinal truth. That he is God and beside him is no one else. Man, I think Charles Spurgeon nailed that. Today we have been given the greatest of opportunities. We can bow before the sovereignty of God or we can continue in ignorance trying to take the throne. But that won't change who he is will not change. We can enter World War III at noon today and guess who still rules on the throne. So we can remain small godders as we heard of earlier or we can become big godders. 
As small godders, we try to squeeze our way into the throne, and someday we'll find our ashes, saying with regret, there is one God, and beside him there is no one else. Or today you can be a big godder and submit to the throne. Make it the central thing of your life and daily remind yourself to praise the Lord, oh my soul. And take that journey with the psalmist as he climbed up the mountain. Because the truth is, who are we as the clay to say to the potter, you are not the most sovereign. May God restore order and sanity today to your life that you may praise the most high God and honor and glorify him who sits forever, who reigns forever from his uncrowded throne. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the peace and the joy that your sovereignty brings us. God, especially when we understand that all we deserve is death. And you could usher that in from your throne. But God, instead, you chose a better way for us. By sending your son to die on a cross. God, I pray that we would, we would walk. I don't want to say into this new year. But God, that we would truly walk into new life this year. And trust your sovereignty. Trust in who you told us you are. And God, you've given us your word to show us that it's who you've always been and it's who you always will be. God, might we find rest in that. Might we find peace in that, might we find life in that and begin today by making your throne central to our worship, to our praise, to our time, to our family to our church, and to our life. And might we forever and ever and ever lift high the King who reigns from His throne. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You have been listening to Pastor Jimmy Fry from Free Christian Church of God in Continental Ohio. We hope you have enjoyed today's message and we would like to invite you to visit us next Sunday morning. 
Our Sunday morning services begin with Sunday school at 9.30, followed by the worship service at 10.30. Free Christian Church of God is located on the corner of State Route 15 and State Route 634, just north of Continental. For more information regarding this or other ministries, call the church office at area code 419-596-3103 or visit our website at www.freecog.org. This has been a Free Christian Church of God audio outreach ministries production.